Charity, you said, you know, the, the one line that I uh, distinctly caught was living in the moment, right? Uh, if you look at healthcare today, doctors keep telling the patients that they need to avoid stress. BP ho gaya, avoid stress. Uh, and patients are at a loss of knowing how to do that. They're always either living in the fear of the future or regrets of the past. And uh, is it in a person's control? And if yes, how does one in a very simple way keep stress away? Uh, is there some doable uh, way to do so? No, you, you see, I'll begin from living in the moment and then come to the stress part of it. You see, living in the moment is a very, very misplaced phrase and uh, uh, an idea uh, that's being implemented at the wrong place. Uh, a philosophy that is being touted to the wrong audience. Uh, there is nishkam karm, action without the desire for returns. And when you are into desireless action, when internally you are that kind of a being who picks up the right work, the right action, the right project, the right battle, and gives everything to it, without worrying for the results, just because the work, the job, the action is worth it. Then, and only then are you entitled to not worry about the results and live purely blissfully in the moment. Living in the moment is the prerogative of a Nishkam Karma Yogi alone. Then there is the whole lot of us commoners. Our actions are from the center of desire. So our actions are sakam. Kam means desire, sakam means with desire. When you are working with desire, in fact, it is very, very advisable that you do not live in the moment because you are anyway not. Desire is always pointing at the future. No, that's where the fruits of the desires are expected. So when you find that you are being uh, carried away by desire, when you find that you are being powered by desire to do something, dictated by desire to do something, then you must necessarily look at the future and ask yourself what will be the consequences. Now what is happening is that people who are acting purely out of their blind, ignorant, even animalistic desires are using this phrase, living in the moment, to avoid looking at the future. It's like going to a restaurant, ordering a huge spread without looking at your pocket and saying, I just want to enjoy the moment. I don't want to think 
of the size of the bill. But the bill will indeed come. That's the law of Prakriti. No. And then you cannot say, oh, I was living in the moment. I didn't worry what would happen tomorrow. Looking at tomorrow is the sign or characteristic of fearful people. I'm bold enough to just uh, enjoy the present moment and leave the future with abandon. You cannot do that. So you see, these are two different centers. The one who is dedicated to something extremely important, very, very secret, automatically starts living in the moment. Then this does not have to be taught to him. Living in the moment then is uh, not an objective. It is a byproduct. The objective is to serve something that is extremely lovable. Something that you know to be unavoidable, indispensable in your deepest understanding. You have paid deep attention and you have come to see something that you just cannot avoid or turn your back to. And you take it up. You take it up because it calls you. It cannot leave you. It, it, it just grips your mind. So you dedicate yourself totally to it. You offer yourself as sacrifice to something extremely important or extremely lovable, whichever we want to put it. If you are a Jnana Yogi, you will say you are giving yourself to the truth. On the on the way of love, you will say you have uh, you have been arrested by something extremely lovable. Now is the only uh, possibility of living in the moment because now you are helpless. Even if you want to think of the future or the consequences, you just cannot. You are in love, or you are in duty. And that duty is the essence of dharma. You know, I have to do it. It's a holy battle. I have to fight it. Even if I want to think about the uh, consequences, it won't matter. Because irrespective of the consequence, I have to fight it. So there is no point wondering about the, the future. Hmm? Irrespective of the future, this has to be done. Now, this is Nishkam Karmiyog, and Nishkam Karmiyog alone is living in the moment. And the, the fundamental thing then is desireless action. Living in the moment is a natural consequence, or you could uh, say um, a corollary, um, a natural corollary of uh, uh, Nishkam Karmiyog, desireless action. But it's a travesty when the usual common mind starts talking of living in the moment. You should not live in the moment. When people come to me and talk of these things, living in the present, etc., I say, avoid that. Just do not live in the moment. See how you are living and worry about your tomorrow. Because the kind of actions the kind of life, the kind of mind that you have, it's getting in you into trouble constantly. But it's just that the trouble is not very visible today. 
Now look at tomorrow. And if you have any, any um, ability to visualize, you will see that you are moving towards the, the, the edge of the cliff. Right? So, see, that's the thing. Religious uh, percepts are for truly religious people. They must not be appropriated by those who want to use religious concepts for personal sensual gratification. That's when religion gets abused and uh, becomes unpopular among the masses. Hmm? Now coming to stress. See, we talked of desire and we talked of desireless action. Stress is the fundamental nature of human life. Among all living beings, man is someone predisposed to stress. No animal, bird, fish, or any other life form is capable of experiencing as much stress as we are. And there is a fundamental reason. The condition of stress points at our own internal existential condition. And that condition is of lack of fulfillment. We are born desirous. Desire and stress go together. We are born desirous. An animal is not born desirous. The animal's desires are very bodily, very material, and therefore very limited and also very episodic. You know, the animal would not be, for example, thirsty or hungry or lustful all the time. So there are periods when the, at the, when, when the lion would want to hunt or the cow would want to graze. But man has an existential vacuum within. You, know, you, you clothe us, you feed us, you give us everything that we can ask for. And you will find that we are still not contended. Is that not true? Hmm? That won't happen in the case of an animal. You feed an animal well and you give it a proper, secure, sheltered place. And you will find the animal very, very restful. You won't look at the animal's eyes and find uh, restlessness or, or psychosis or, or an existential angst. You won't find it there. The animal would be at peace. But man is never at peace, irrespective of what he has or what he has not. So we are born with desire and that desire is our fundamental internal stress. Now, that stress is not necessarily something bad because it is that desire, that stress, and I'm equating the two for the purpose of uh, this conversation, because it is that particular desire, stress, that can elevate human consciousness, provided the stress is channelized in the right direction. People talk of being desireless, but before you become desireless, you ought to have the right desire. 
In fact, that is the definition of the right desire. The right desire is one that leads you towards desirelessness. Similarly, there is the right stress and the wrong stress. The right stress is that which leads you towards freedom from stress. And that's the ultimate goal of all spirituality. The state of mukti or anand where there is no stress. Where there is, where is, there is just that simple, subtle joy. Nothing loud about it. Nothing uh, gross or coarse about it. The simple, subtle, ordinary joy of existence. That's the destination. But one has a long way to go before the destination. And you cannot uh, travel uh, that way without having the right fuel and the right motivation. Now, right stress is the right fuel and the right motivation. And by that, I do not mean that one needs to take on additional stress. What I'm saying is one is born with stress. So one cannot just discount stress as something that conditions give you or uh, that comes to you occasionally or incidentally. No, that's not true. Stress is inbuilt in the human system. Stress is, is, you could say, the fundamental nature of the ignorant consciousness. The thing is to, to understand that stress, to ask yourself, what is it that my desires are really calling out for? And then, like an expert navigator, turn your desires towards the right end. And all that will involve stress. All that will even involve suffering. So, what to do with suffering? One cannot wish it away. It is there. Put it to the right use. Suffer, but suffer rightly. Suffer, but suffer for the right cause. Our, our very condition is of strife. You are born in a battlefield. So fight, you will. Fight, you have to. Now fight on the wrong side. On, on the right side, that is. Be very cautious where the right one is and how to know falseness. It becomes uh, quite uh, tempting to talk of uh, being stress-free or desireless or uh, cool, composed, retired, tranquil. These are beautiful words. But these things cannot just uh, come to you uh, you know, sitting where you are. These are the ultimate things our mind, our consciousness is uh, clamoring for. One has to work really, really hard. And that's the right purpose of desire. To lead you to the place 
that will justify your life, your birth. And the place that justifies your life is also the place the scriptures say that relieves you of death. If, if life is given a true purpose, if life is lived rightly, then one attains deathlessness. Not that the body will not die. In a spiritually metaphorical sense. So, when, when a stressed out being comes, one has to ask, what is it that you are so worried about? What is it that you are so worried about? Kabir Sahib will say, for example, if you have to be worried, then worry about Ram. And his Ram is the, is the formless, attributeless, one truth. You'll say, it's not that you are worried. That's not the problem. The problem is that you are worried about something so petty, so trivial. Why don't you worry about something that's indeed consequential? All right, you are afraid. Now you are afraid that uh, someone is, is taking away uh, 200 rupees that belong to you. Now about that you are afraid and angry and you have all those. But why don't you worry when your entire life is being wasted? See how you are living. See how you are spending your days and nights. And your entire life is being wasted. Now is is the worth of those 200 rupees more than the worth of this life that you have? That's what saints ask you. So do worry. Do repent. And do cultivate desire. But cultivate desire for, for that one that one thing that the saints would sometimes call as as Ram, sometimes as Hari, the gurus would uh, call that as the Lord. Hmm? So, so that's that one thing worthy of one's desire. And that sublimated desire is then called as spiritual love. So, so if one is stressed out because one is not attaining mukti, I would say, all right, all right, all right. Hmm? Uh, at least the intention is pure. But if one is stressed out because the share market has fallen by 0.04%, then I'll say, sir, <laughs> you need to reconsider what you are so uh, worried about and uh, concerned about. So if I understand correctly, it is about you know raising your level of consciousness mindfulness and also find the purpose the right purpose that makes all the things that you worry about or the stresses that you have worthwhile of course of course yeah 